Welcome back to the Mainland Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are riding a four-game winning streak. That sounds awesome to say and to experience. And um, I'm Michael Citro from TheMainland.com. And uh, joining me, Daniel McGann and Andrew Harrison, our intrepid writers. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing, uh, doing fantastic. I mean, I've just watched the uh, – or I didn't watch, but I just heard the Red Bulls went up 2-0 against Montreal, so I'm excited. I, yeah, I'm just excited that we are still rolling and still climbing. The, I mean, not that we're climbing the table, but we're at least gaining points to make our first season look good. Yeah, and uh, as of now, uh, Orlando City with a 2-1 victory over Montreal impact over the weekend. Uh, Orlando City is guaranteed to finish higher than Philadelphia and Chicago, which is nice. Um, and I believe a either a draw or a win against New York City FC next week would uh, clinch a better finish than that other fellow expansion club. And, of course, it would keep uh, keep Orlando in the hunt if they can uh, get a victory, especially with Montreal down 2-0 and down a man as we record this uh, this week's edition of the podcast, which is nice. Could be worse. I mean, uh, it could be 3-0, but uh, Sasha Kleshton missed a penalty. So. Old Sasha. Uh, so you know, porn stash. You can uh, you can get Kyle Lahren ejected, but you can't kick uh, you can't make two penalties in a, in the same game. <laughs> I don't know about porn stash on air, but I like it. That's good. Uh, well, he it, he. I mean, he's got a. I don't know. It looks like a pedophile mustache to me. But, I mean, <laughs> it is. I'm I'm not calling him a pedophile. I'm just saying it's a pedophile looking mustache. Um. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> And you know we could we could have this feud with Red Bulls fans if we get to play them in the playoffs, and I won't mind a bit. Um, so two to one, uh, and uh, really Montreal scoring on a very extremely dubious goal that was kicked out of Tally Hall's hand uh, by Dominic Oduro. So um, let me start with you, Daniel. What were your thoughts, overall thoughts, on the match against Montreal Impact? Uh, well, beyond exactly what you just said on Duro's goal, which is insane how they let that go, right? I mean, for all the rules, the fact that uh, that went in, it's 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 crazy to me. But uh, I thought overall, uh, Orlando looked re- really good. Surprising to me was Carrasco in the middle, having probably one of the best games I've seen him have in a, a purple jersey, 85% completion rate with his passes. Um, let's not forget Seb Hines coming in with a separated uh, shoulder just a week ago um, and, and putting in a great performance and getting the winning goal as well. Um, I, I thought we showed a lot of fire. I thought we showed a lot of grit as well. Um, and, and this weekend, hopefully we can bring the same type of tempo when we're playing New York. Yeah, the, the team looked very good at home. And as you mentioned, uh, Seb Hines, we'll get to our man of the match in a bit, but I'm already on record as having written it that Seb Hines was my man of the match. Uh, dislocated his shoulder so badly uh, that they couldn't put it back in on the field, and he had to be stretchered off. And then they they came back, and uh, he came back just a week later, and was uh, an integral part of the win. And and he and Aurelian Collin really were spectacular for my money in the middle of the pitch. Um, you know, the game started out with uh, a very early clash of heads between Rafael Ramos at right back and Tommy Redding uh, at center back. Make his first MLS start, unfortunately. Uh, it only lasted a few minutes. And, uh, you know, they clashed heads. Uh, Tommy got a concussion. Uh, uh, Ramos got a, a gash that required 16 stitches in his forehead. He was bleeding profusely. Had to be taken to the hospital to get stitched up. And uh, so Seb Hines came in again. 
still had to have a really sore shoulder. And all they did all night was uh, was keep you know Dominic Oduro at bay for the most part, except for the the goal that shouldn't have counted. And they did a really nice job on Didier Drogba when he came in. Uh, what did you think of the back line's performance, uh, Mister Harrison? Uh, I thought it was really good. I know I you know the Reading was a surprise. Obviously, Heinz was really fit to go because at least made the bench. Um, I thought it was they went with a formation that they thought that they needed to try to take Drogba out of the game and to go in and actually completely basically switch after really 11 minutes of the game I thought was really impressive. Um, I thought Shea had a really impressive game on a side of the field that he's never played on before. Um, the fact that Colin was able to kind of adjust and maybe he played a little bit of a better game because he knew he had somebody who could trust. Um, I thought that was really positive. Um, I was just really proud of the fact that they really took people out of the game. I didn't really have that nervousness that I thought I was going to. Um, obviously, it was a little bit buoyed by the fact that Drogba didn't play for 60 minutes of the game, um, but I thought they just had a really great performance, and I can't comment enough on how I thought how good Shea was playing on a position he hadn't played before. Yeah, it was uh, it was a tough thing for Adrian Heath to have to put in uh, Luke Bowden and, and, um, and Breck Shea, uh, and Luke went to the left side, and uh, or he put in Hines, and, and Shea had to move over. He put in Luke and, and, and Hines. And, you know, how important was it, Daniel, do you think that Shea played right wing a couple of games ago and, and got some familiarity with the right side? Because he'd never played right back, but he really, really looked good back there. And maybe we've lost Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't lose me, guys. Don't worry. Oh, okay. I was, I was uh, looking at this New York Red Bull game. <laughs> uh, no, I, I would say, Breck Shea, if you remember at the beginning of the year, um, he, he kind of tr- switched over to the right side every now and again. Um, so it's not foreign to him to, to switch from the left to the right and, and kind of cut in on his left foot to, to, to take shots on goal or drive into the box. Um, but he stayed really wide uh, this game when he was on the right side, especially playing right back. He had to defend on that side as well, and and having those moments where he would switch before in, in the in, you know before in the year, I think lent well to this. Even though it's a totally different dynamic when you have to get back and defend right right wing and right back is totally different uh, position. But Shea Shea complimented himself very well, um, and I, I just want to say for Heath having to make the decision with two players in an early. Uh, substitution like that, and for the team to to not just hold on to a win, but really take control of the match moving forward, um, and not having the ability to bring in players in a second half because you only have one sub left. That's that that was wild to me, really, to be in an atmosphere like that. It seemed like every player just had an extra amount of energy throughout the game, and uh, and Shea, like I said, complimented himself on the right side. It looks like. Uh, I know his right foot is a little weak. Yeah, he was he was very hesitant when he was driving to make crosses, but um, he he was still using his speed to get back behind the defensive line. And um, having both him on the right side and Carlos Rivas on the left side, I think really negated uh, Montreal's fast wingers too, which is something that we definitely took a look at at the beginning of the match, being one of those key points. Yeah, they did a good job. I thought of, of crowding Romero and and uh, Venegas and and uh, Aduro and those guys. I thought I thought they did a real solid job all across the back line. Uh, the defending part was was impressed me because you know defending on the left and defending on the right, it's it's a it's a mirror of each other. So your instincts are a little bit different 
because you're you're you know you when you don't want the guy to make the move to the end line and then you're used to taking that step to the left if you're you know left uh working the left side. So it was a great adjustment by Breck Shade. He did a great job. The guy would have had the goal of the year if he hadn't crushed the crossbar on that long shot too. That was a nice curling uh, bomb by him, but unfortunately it beat the goalkeeper, but it didn't beat the the crossbar. Uh, so nice game by him. I agree with you guys about Carrasco. He played a very good game, reminiscent of his performance against Sporting Kansas City. Um, didn't even miss Krishnagita. That's how well he played. So uh, a good job by him. Let's talk about the first goal a little bit. Kyle Aaron, uh, very very alert to a bad back pass by Nigel Rio Coker, uh, Andrew, and um, he didn't probably hit the ball as well as he would have liked to. But you know when when things are going in and when he's on a roll. They just seemed to find the net, and Evan Bush could not keep that ball out. Yeah, I think that was one of those goals that was, you know, he couldn't have hit that. In July and August, that doesn't go in. He doesn't get the break. He doesn't get the... I would like to say that was really a bit of a fumble by Bush. He didn't get a good control of it, and I think he definitely knew he should have kept it out. But when you're hot, you're hot. And he struck it. He struck it, like you say, not as well as he would have hoped, but... It still went in, and really, in the end of the day, that's his job is to put balls in the net, and he did it. So we can't be too hard on him. I'm glad that he was willing to take the shot, um, even though he was a little off balance and just kind of moving into the shot itself. So why don't we get to you guys' um, man of the match. I'm, I'm already on uh, on Team Hines, and, and Carrasco was, was a close second for me. And, and really, a lot of guys played very well. Uh, Hines obviously had the game winner. And, and did a good job in, in central defense with, with Colin. So uh, for me, he just that second goal just kind of pushed him a little bit in front of Carrasco uh, because of how monumental that goal was. Uh, Daniel, we'll start with you. Who is your man of the match? Uh, I'm going to have to go uh, with Saren in this one. I, I felt like with Carrasco coming in there and then getting that the early injuries on the back line, he stepped up to the plate. I mean, he was the fulcrum for the defense all night long and the offense. He had a team-high 65 passes. He was completing at a high rate. Uh, I felt like every time the, the field needed to be switched, uh, he did exactly that to relieve pressure. He was chasing all over the field, and he was his usual active self. Uh, and when, when you pair that with uh, an individual who's had subpar performances in the past in Carrasco, I feel like the reason Carrasco played so well uh, this past week was because he had Saren next to him, and Saren was in such a uh, such rare form that he just looked like he was on another level in that midfield. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree too much because I thought Saren obviously had a very good game as well. I thought both defensive mids, both center backs, and Breck Shea were were to me the five real exceptional players on the pitch. Uh, Andrew, who was your man of the match? Uh, you kind of already covered it. I actually went with the other center back. I went with Colin. Um, I just thought he played so well. He was keeping people quiet, and I'm giving it to him for the fact that we didn't hear his name a lot on that night and. I give that as a mark of a good defender when he he's making those quiet moves and you're just making sure that he's in the right position. I like to see that from a defender. I didn't think we saw any of the rash challenges that he was making, and he was very calm, collected, and he was playing against with two different partners. Um, with also, you know, Carrasco hadn't been in there, and Saren had also been missing the games beforehand too I feel like you've got to give it to somebody who's been there played with everybody shifting around him but he still put in a solid performance yeah and he took a boot to the face from Drogba as well and uh, you know he, to his credit he didn't lay on the ground and roll around screaming in pain like 
you know, a lot of players would have done. Like, so. like porn stash. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. How, exactly. How was that not a card? Whenever your boot comes above your shoulders to then kick the defender in the face whenever you don't have control on the ball. I don't understand how that was not called <laughs> and how that did not draw a yellow or a red for that matter. I feel like that's the, the definition of dangerous play, is it not? I think so, but you know, to me, I thought Edvin Jurasevich, there, the referee, did a good job of letting them play because I think mm-hmm. you could have made it. You could have made a, a, a case for the fact that that Colin may have fouled Drogba before the kick. Um, they were kind of hanging all over each other, and you, you've seen those. Those usually go to the superstar like Drogba, and he let them play on and, and didn't call either way when with these guys. Uh, you know, grabbing and clutching and, and hand fighting, and when the boot came up afterwards, it was just sort of like, all right, nothing got called, and everybody's okay. So you know, a boot to the okay face. A boot to the face is the same thing as a push in the back in my book. You're right, guys. Uh, I'm I'm okay with it, but because again, I would rather have no call there than have Drogba taking a free kick from just ahead, just in, uh, in front of the box. Yeah. So uh, especially at that point in the game, um, so. You know, overall, a very, very good game for Orlando City. I thought they did a good job of, uh, you know, controlling the the players they needed to control and uh, getting forward whenever they could, and not taking too many unnecessary risks. They they hung back and and defended well and took care of everything. The only, like I said, the only goal that went in should not even have counted, and Montreal wasn't that really that dangerous. I didn't think in terms of uh, getting quality chances. So. Uh, Tally Hall did a good job, you know, controlling his box and, t- and you know, smothering things that came through. And uh, it was a good night for the Lions. Very good atmosphere. The crowd was uh, was going bonkers throughout the night. Thirty-five thousand plus fans at the Citrus Bowl. So uh, the only thing really bad that came out of the match is Breck Shea and Kaká both getting booked, and they will both miss the New York City FC match. Uh, and that's not. Good. <laughs> um, so, Andrew, let me ask you this: How is Orlando City poised to take on New York City FC without those two players? And who do you think we'll see in their place? Um, I think I'm going to say that we're kind of prepared a little bit. I mean, we've missed Kaká. There was games where I feel like he was on the field, but he was missing in action. Um, we did have several games without Breck Shea, but you or you really can't deny that this four-game winning streak is really down to Breck Shea. He's given us that confidence, that width that we so desperately needed for this team. Um, Mm -hmm. In regards to seeing who switches out, I think you're going to see Adrian Vinter come in um, and play either for Kakara or Breck Shea, depending on how we actually need to line up. I'm going to say more like it's going to be for Kakar, um, and then we're going to see either a return for Rivas to the side, um, just to try to keep us with and make sure we have that pace for going forward. Um, but we should be back to almost a full-strength squad, at least in the middle, um, for Hagida and Saren and being able to control that. Um, I feel like we're going to be pretty positive if we can keep going forward and following this. I hope that we don't miss him too much, but Brekshay has just been that golden factor for us, so I'm go- it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Yeah, and I'm I'm expecting Ramos to be back at right uh, right back. I'm sure Luke will play left, and um, you know it'll probably be Seb and Aurelian in the middle. Although uh, we don't know about David Mateos. I mean, he was supposedly close to getting back, and I guess the uh, the tweak in his uh, I, think, I think it's a leg injury um, must be a little bit worse than we thought because he didn't even dress uh, the other night. And in the middle, I. I 
you know, your defensive mids are probably going to be Saren and Agita. And then up front, I, you know, the, the three attacking mids, I expect Rivas on the left, Venter on the right, and probably Lewis Neal in the middle just because Adrian Heath loves him some Lewis Neal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and <laughs> but I can't, I can't, I can't agree with that right now because the game that Carrasco just had, uh, I feel like Saren could push up in the field. Uh, and he does that whenever we move the ball, anyways. I mean, he just proved that when you when you're when you're feeding the ball through him, he had a team high 65 passes again, uh, high completion rate. He's had that throughout the year. Uh, he switches the field very well, and it's not like he can't take shots from outside the box. I, I would I'd be interested to see if we went Carrasco uh, in a Gita in the back, and maybe Saren filling in that role for Kaká because Lewis Neal doesn't move any do anything right now for me on the offensive side of the ball. He doesn't take shots. He doesn't make good runs. He doesn't switch the field. I feel like every time he gets the ball, he's just passing it backwards the entire time. I would rather see uh, a little dynamic uh, move in the midfield and, and possibly move Saren up the field a little bit. Well, I think we'll see Laren up top as well. We didn't get to the striker, but Laren will probably get to start and then Rochez off the bench again. Uh, I, I can't disagree with, with wanting to see something different, but I, I, I just... I haven't seen anything out of Adrian Heath that would tell me he'll leave Lewis Neal on the bench <laughs> to, st- to start the match. One thing that I would think would be very interesting, and this would be an opportunity to do it because of the guys that are missing, would be to start a, a four-man midfield yeah. uh, of Rivas, Venter, Saren, and Aguita, and then a two-man strike team of Rochez and Laren up top. I, thought, I think that that could be something that might give New York's defense uh, a lot of worry. Yeah. Uh, and Andrew, what do you think about that formation? I think that's... I'm going to say it's a possibility. I feel like we've seen everything from Heath. We've been through the ringer, and he's not deviated from that one man up front. I right. just can't see him be willing to break it now. I've been following this team since day one, and he just loves playing one person up front. It's his formation. The fact that we're so close, depending on results, to still being able to make it, I wouldn't expect them to change a winning formula. And the fact that Neil has also been in the side in our four-game winning streak, I don't expect Heath to just drop him too because he sees something in him. There's a reason we went back and picked him up in the expansion draft, and he has added something, even if it's something people don't like to this team. Yeah. Well, it's it would be interesting. This team has a loss and a draw against New York City, and that would be a new uh, wrinkle that they have not seen from Orlando City. So... Um, I'm in favor of it. I don't necessarily expect it, but I think it would be a very interesting thing to come out in that formation and maybe give them something that they haven't prepared for um, because that is a vital game. I mean, obviously, if, if Orlando City can get these last two wins and finish at 13-13 uh, and, uh, what is that, 26-8, and 13-13-8, and, um, and get 500, they would have an excellent chance based on who Montreal still has to play they would have an excellent chance to pass Montreal and, and take that last spot in the playoffs. And uh, that's something, obviously, we all want. So uh, we will obviously be back to talk more about uh, New York City next week. We'll see if we can get uh, Raf back on the air and, uh, and as a guest. He came on the, the last time we played him. And... Um, so why don't we turn our attention to one more piece of business. We're going to keep this one short this week since we don't have a... It's kind of like our bye week as well. We don't have a game this weekend. But maybe we want to talk to you guys a little bit about a very big CONCACAF Cup match this weekend between Mexico and the United States. And I don't know that 
the U.S. is a very confident squad right now, but they are playing on home soil, and you know the the cries of Dos Acero will be will be very very loud in the uh, out in what in the Rose Bowl they're playing. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you guys think? We'll start with with Daniel, then we'll go with Andrew. What do you guys think we're going to see on Saturday uh, between these two nations? Well, I mean, this is that that first uh, match that that they set up for the Gold Cup champions for two years, right, to go to the Confederations Cup. So uh, I I expect it to be a fiery affair. Uh, I don't necessarily know the lineup for Klinsman because that's always up in the air. I don't think he's ever actually started the same lineup two games, or has that happened maybe (laughs) one time in his coaching career. Um, But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Giassi Zardes and, and hopefully seeing what he can do on the left side, right? Um, he's, he's been someone that's been in the side consistently. Uh, he's been pushing up and, and scoring goals for the international side, setting up, uh, and having assists, but also the return of, uh, one of my favorite players in a U.S. uniform, DeMarcus Beasley. Um, I don't know if he's going to get any minutes, but, um, I'll be excited to see him play. Uh, but I expect Mexico to come out. Uh, I feel like they have a little bit more confidence moving into this match than we do. Uh, we haven't necessarily played well as of late. Um, of course, you know, a fall from grace in the Gold Cup uh, this summer. But but you know, with Michael Bradley in the in the midfield, there's 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 hope for the U.S. Uh, team going forward. But it's going to be a big match this weekend. Andrew, what do you see uh, happening on uh, Saturday? I think it's going to be a nervy affair. I no, obviously no team wants to lose, but I'm just not too sure the U.S. wants to win either. I think that they their passion has gone a little bit, and the fact that we're still having discussions about... I mean, this shouldn't this game shouldn't even be happening. They should have gotten to the Gold Cup final and probably should have won it, and this game doesn't even happen. So this is an extra game to their schedule and the roster, and just another game for those players' legs. I just don't see it going well for them. And the fact that they've kind of already said that Klinsman doesn't lose his job if they lose, I think that's kind of disheartening a little bit for a player too because if you don't like the system that's going on and what's taking place right now, even if you if you win, he stays in. If he lose, he stays in. And I don't think that's a big positive thing going into such a must-win game because realistically this is the last one before really that final um, heading into the World Cup and unless something else really drastically happens nothing changes I don't think it'll be a good outcome and I'm actually going to go with a 2-0 win for Mexico Ooh, you're going Dos Acero the other way Oh man on on US soil, that's rough Now one thing I got to remind you guys of is that this is not a Mexico team playing with the same coach uh, manager as they did in the Gold Cup. Uh, Miguel Herrera was fired for an altercation in an airport with a, <laughs> a member of the media. It wasn't me, I swear. Um, <laughs> I can't wait so, till he's in MLS. That's all I gotta say. I can't wait till he's yeah. In MLS. So, so new manager for them. It, well, it's going to be interesting. Here's my thing: just get the ball to Dempsey. Get it to Deuce. Let him do the rest. Let Clint Dempsey take you to a Dos Acero. Confederations Cup appearance. That's that's what I want to see. Um, whether we'll see that or not, I don't know. Uh, we're not going to see Mix Discarude. He didn't make the, the uh, squad this time. Uh, and quite honestly, probably didn't deserve to. Um, but uh, key injuries both ways. It's going to be a very, very interesting game. Uh, I don't know what is going to happen, but I'm certainly rooting for my country. And, um, you know, I'll be 
with the American Outlaws and not at the at the game or anything, but uh, you know, I'll be with them in spirit and we'll be rooting on uh, the red, white, and blue. So uh, I think that really for our bye week, that pretty much wraps up our mainland podcast for this week. I mean, uh, you know, was, let's just relax and and let other teams, you know, take care of the rest of our business while we take a week off and, uh, you know, sort of enjoy winning four games in a row because the team had not won more than two games in a row prior to this streak. So uh, big, big doings for Orlando City. And, you know, if if the cards all fall our way and we can sneak into the playoffs, this could be a very, very dangerous team because they could be extremely uh, healthy for a change. Uh, as the playoffs begin, and there'll be a lot of options off the bench, and and um, you know, uh, obviously a lot less soccer on some of the bodies uh, for Orlando City than some of the other teams because guys have been out nursing injuries. So anyway, if you guys want to find us uh, on the net, we are at themainland.com, T-H-E-M-A-N-E-L-A-N-D.com, or you can catch us on Twitter at themainland. Again, it's T-H-E-M-A-N-E-L-A-N-D, no main, like uh, Main Street. It's more like a lion's mane because that's what we do. That's how we do our podcast, <laughs> and that's how we do our website. So uh, uh, Daniel McGann and Andrew Harrison, thanks, guys, for being with us on this bye week to break down the Montreal win, and uh, we will... Be back at it to uh, to get ready for New York City FC. So uh, for Daniel and Andrew, I'm Michael Citro saying, go City. <laughs>